everyone. Welcome to a new episode of In Other Words with Danielle and Zara. This is a podcast where we talk about a wide variety of different subjects from loneliness to dating. So in other words, we talk about all, all the, the things. things. Danielle, guess what Yay. I saw today? What? Everything I looked at. Oh, is that the answer or are you telling me to guess? No, that was the answer because I told everyone that I'd have a joke this episode. Oh. Uh, so laugh uh, uncontrollably. <laughs> Fantastic. Was that authentic enough? That was, that'll I really, do. That'll do, donkey. That'll do. Amen. That's from Shrek. I know that. And anyone who doesn't know that is disappointing. Yeah. And silly. Okay. Danielle. So, yeah. Today is the day. Zara. Yeah, <laughs> today is the day. Are you scared? Um, no. I mean, a little bit, but not really. Yes. Mm. Yes. So. Yeah, me neither. Tell the people what we're talking about. So today we are talking about women in ministry. And now, before you click off, don't because hopefully this will be an interesting discussion yes. surrounding the whole concept. And um, if you're not a Christian, I think it will still be an interesting discussion. Yes. So maybe you can stick around and see. I agree. And I mean, we're also going to talk about the role of Christian women in general, like how the church sees women. So it's yeah. if you're not in ministry, don't worry. There's still some interesting stuff here for you. Um, mm-hmm. But just a disclaimer, this is a casual conversation between two friends mm-hmm. And Mm -hmm. this isn't an academic study. There are so many resources out there. So you can Mm -hmm. go and do your research. Um, And yeah, this isn't a sermon, but yeah, we just want to spark good conversation um, and have something that's digestible for people who don't want to read studies and studies and studies. Yes, exactly. So don't come Before we start, before we get, yeah, please, before we get all serious, I do want to know, Zara, how are you doing? How's the week been? Oh. What's going on? Oh, you're so kind. I am fine. I If I sound a bit nasally, that is because I was recently sick. So mm-hmm. I am recovering from a cold slash flu. So compared to three days ago, I'm fantastic. Wonderful. And you? I'm also well, thank you. I have been working very very hard yes. on one of the chapters of my thesis so exciting which I finally sent in to my supervisor to see what she thinks so I'm expecting a lot of editing to come my way but it's okay because for now I can take a bit of a break editing is the fun part like the yeah. less stressful part yeah except I find once I've written something like to go back and reread it I'm like oh this is so boring <laughs> but it, it'll be good It'll be good. Of course it will. Um, yeah. But it's been quite a good week. I've been a tenacious reader this week, dude. Like, because usually in my breaks, I'll watch YouTube or I'll like yes. watch an episode of something. And I've just been reading because I reread the whole Hunger Games trilogy. <laughs> literally in a week. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. That's, because that's they, hectic. Like, they're super easy reading. I spoke about this in the last episode. Yes, that's well. how I was like, I'm did that Games just era. spark? <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. I just came I, out of that I, phase. I'm, I've been uh, a bit slow. But I was also sick, yeah. so. It's okay. But I um I ordered, well, I ordered and read The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which is the prequel book for The Hunger Games. I didn't know there so was a prequel. That. 
It's really good. Like, I really enjoyed it way more than I thought I would because I've heard a lot of mixed reviews, yes. but it was really good. And then after that, I just decided to reread the trilogy because I think I last read it when I was so little in high school, probably. So, yeah, it was really good. And I had a fun time doing it. <laughs> it was a nice break from reality. I'm so not that the Hunger Games is just like, you. you know, not that it's a place that I'd want to live or anything, but it's fun to read. That's, I'm very impressed. Thank you. Me too. I'm also impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So, shall we just jump in with some general thoughts about the topic? Yes. Um, yeah, I do want to say that Zara is going to be doing a lot of the talking, so get used to her voice. Oh, shame. Uh, there's been some episodes where I've done a lot of talking, so now it's your turn mm. again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yay. But it'll be good. I will, I will pipe in here and there with my pipe and opinions and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. so the first thing that I feel like I need to say is the reason why we're addressing the topic and why it is such a big and contentious topic is because the Bible is incredibly patriarchal. It was written in a time where... Um, you know, the society, men kind of ruled the society. And so, and that's why we really struggle to grasp it in this day and age. And yeah, when we speak about women, often the discussion is around what is a woman's role um, in marriage or in ministry. Mm. Um, And Yeah. yeah, when you read it through the lens of an author that lived in a patriarchal society, that's where it gets a bit scary. But Mm. The thing that I kind of want to say right off the bat is I am a woman, so, and I'm a woman in ministry, so you don't have to guess where this conversation is going to go. Um, But I often, when looking at this topic and any topic um, that's up for debate, I often ask, what is the fruit of it? So what does it produce? And so, for example, if we are keeping women silent or, um, withholding leadership roles from them what is the fruit of that is it doing good or is it harming God's kingdom Mm. and I think that that's I want everyone to remember that from the Mm get-go and what is crazy to me and I this recently came up in a conversation of mine was how sneaky would it be if Satan used God's word which he often does to twist mm. things and essentially take half of the population out by robbing women yeah. of, of what God has actually called them to do. So if women are mm. to be this very submissive, quiet um, kind of doormat, then yeah. that's like 50% of the population that is now hindered. And I'm like, that's, mm. that's interesting to me. So that's been like consuming a lot of my thoughts. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, at the end of the day, the Bible after Jesus speaks about the fact that we are a holy priesthood. So we, as in all of us, and Paul often speaks about we're neither Jew nor Gentile, nor a male nor female. Um, We are one. Um, And so I Mm kind of want to go into that, into this discussion, remembering that. And yeah, at the end of the day, this topic can never be an ultimate. There are things that mm. are non-negotiable in Christianity. Christ, mm. Jesus' death, resurrection, um, 
the doctrine of the Trinity, but there are things like women in ministry and the role of women, and it's not an ultimate. It's okay to disagree on this Mm -hmm. topic. And so when people make it a bigger deal than it is, that's, I think, what is frustrating. So 100%. Those are just kind of my out-of-the-gate general thoughts. What are yours, Danielle? Yeah, I think my thoughts are that even though we live in a more progressive society and I think a lot of like a lot of churches present themselves as kind of progressive or like cool or even <laughs> cool. if they don't outright speak about yeah, even if they don't outright uh, say that women don't have a role in leadership or if they seem welcoming towards women I think a lot of people will be very surprised at what a lot of people think about women in ministry it's not a topic yeah, of conversation that comes up but you'd be very surprised at like the um, attitudes and stereotypes that are held about women specifically in churches and a lot of it is like completely outdated thinking like from a scientific perspective Mm -hmm. i'm not even talking about like like bible verses or anything i'm saying for example the perception that women can't be in ministry because they're too emotional you know or like you know there's just so many there's so much of these perceptions that churches still have based on like so-called studies that were produced by churches and Christian authors way back when that have no scientific backing whatsoever and they Mm. just made stuff up. Yeah. And that has been used to push down women from participating in church ministries for a long time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I I really just want to encourage people, if you have been brought up, if you believe, for example, that women are supposed to be submissive and they are supposed to they're not supposed to have a role in church. You just need to try and see where that thinking comes from. If you are approaching it strictly from just reading the Bible, not looking any further than like what is Paul saying when he's saying those things, for example, I just want to encourage you to do that. I think a lot of people don't ever do that. And the problem is once you start doing that with the Bible, it's very difficult to stop and seeing like where everything comes from. And that's like, no, it's not a problem. I'm just saying like it, there's a lot of food for thought. The more you know, the more you don't know. Yeah. You know? No, it's so true. So, yeah, just keep that in mind. Not everything is as simple as it is. At the same time, we're not going to try and change your mind. No. You either are going to agree or you're not. I think that's just one of those topics. Yes. That is like that. And that's okay. But, yeah, just listen with an open mind and for sure do your own reading. There are so many resources out there. It's insane. Yeah, it's so, actually yeah. overwhelming because so much has been <laughs> written about very this. very much so. Yeah. Yeah, those are my initial thoughts. Cool. Okay, so if we look at the term biblical feminism, what does that mean to you? Because, I mean, we touched on it very briefly in our previous episode, but someone asked, like, is putting biblical and feminism next to each other an oxymoron? Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I obviously don't think so. Um, I don't agree that it's an oxymoron because I think feminism, while there's a lot of different thoughts to it and like it can be a very complicated subject at its heart is about equality. Mm -hmm. And I believe personally that God wants us to be equal. I really do believe that. A lot of people don't (laughs) agree with that necessarily. Um, And I do believe that God doesn't see women as lesser than men. And that's at its heart what feminism is about and yeah it's also about like if you're looking at Jesus's ministries it's a lot about uplifting those who um 
or like the downtrodden, mm. you know. I love and how we only I think use a lot that of women word in Christian sense. Downtrodden. What? Downtrodden. <laughs> like no one uses <laughs> yeah, that's that so like, in daily life. <laughs> like, oh, she's so downtrodden <laughs> today. Yeah. Well, the minute I say previously disadvantaged, then all the conservative people will stop listening. So <laughs> This is true. This is true. <laughs> no hates, by the way. I'm no. just saying it's like one of those buzzwords. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. That's that's what, that's my thoughts. Yeah. What about you? I think, um, and again, we did it in an episode on feminism, but I think feminism, like you said, it's very nuanced um, and there have been so many moves and um, expressions of feminism, some of which I think have gotten to the point where they can be unbiblical. But I think when you look at biblical feminism, it is, as you said, it's equality. That's what feminism is. People don't understand the the crux of the simple definition. Um, and if feminism is about uplifting women so that they are seen as equal, then I, I can't see how that would be unbiblical because of the fact that we are equal um, we well, yeah. men and women were both made in the image of God. God cares about women. God mm-hmm. cares about women's issues. Um, and the Bible can still be our authority and we can see the goodness of God and then believe mm. that. Yeah. I won't go as far as saying God is a feminist because I'll get canceled. No, but <laughs> don't say that. God is for equality, I believe. Mm-mm. Yeah, I can't imagine, like, if we go in with the perspective that God is a loving and just God, like, I wouldn't believe that the way that we've treated people in the, like, in the past and still now is what he would want. Like, that seems like, yeah, that doesn't seem right to me personally. No, and you just read about Jesus' life and it, like, it comes through. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay, so how we are going to go about this episode is I just want to read a couple of scriptures. I don't know what, I don't just want to talk about, oh, this is what I think, this is what I feel, um, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people will say, okay, but where's your proof, you know, where's, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I kind of want to look at some of the scriptures that are like contentious, that people say, okay, this is why women have a certain role mm. that is often mm-hmm. seen as less than. So I thought we could just very mm-hmm. briefly look at the scriptures. Um, yes. But off the bat, I think we're probably going to use the words complementarian and egalitarian. It'll probably yeah. come up. So, Danielle, do you just want to explain to the people the difference between those two views? Sure. So, um, I'm quoting directly from Christianity.com. Ooh. <laughs> Original. <laughs> Very original, um, but I told you where I got it from, so it's not plagiarism. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is the definition for complementarianism. Okay, so the first tenet of complementarianism is that men and women are equal in personhood. There is no difference in worth. Rather, proponents of complementarianism believe that men and women have separate, though equal, roles in marriage, family life, the church, and elsewhere. The word complementarianism derives from the word complement. Just like complementary colors work well together to create beauty or one aspect of a dish complements another, the idea is that men and women complement each other for a more beautiful whole. The view holds that masculinity and femininity were created by God as meaningful distinctions indicating different roles that when embraced will lead to the best possible spiritual well-being for believers. So that's what complementarians would believe. Yes, so equal but different roles yes and then egalitarianism 
So as a more um, broad definition, egalitarianism is defined as a belief in human equality, especially with respect to social, political and economic affairs, or a social philosophy advocating the removal of inequalities among people. And that's by the Merriam-Webster dic Dictionary. But now in Christianity, egalitarians agree with complementarians that men and women are equal in worth. However, egalitarianism goes further to state that men and women are considered equal in role capabilities as well. There are no gender restrictions on what roles men and women can fulfill in the church, home and society. This view holds the teachings and attitudes of Jesus and the New Testament abolish gender-specific roles as well as roles related to class and race. Awesome. There we are. Cool. Yeah. So something we have to understand off the bat is that both complementarian and egalitarian see men and women as two distinct um, genders, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. And it doesn't, egalitarian doesn't say, okay, well, men and women are exactly the same. It doesn't take away mm -hmm. the fact that men are built differently. Women have different hormones. Like it doesn't say that it says that we are equal in standing in value in worth. And then we can mm -hmm. fulfill tasks equally so a woman can do yes. whatever she wants man can do whatever he wants or what god calls him to do we did do an episode on yeah. masculinity and femininity which was we did. interesting so check that out okay yes. so that's what we mean complementarian says uh equal but different. separate but equal yes separate but equal um and then yeah egalitarianism you guys understand okay so yes. the first passage that people often use is 1 Timothy 2, verse 11 to 15. Um, Danielle, I don't know if you pulled up the scripture. If not, I can read it. I can. Where's my Bible? Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I was looking for it on my phone. Sorry. Wait, 1, Tim 1, Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, 2 verse. verse 11 to 15. Cool. And maybe read it in the ESV so that people don't come at us for translation issues because the ESV is <laughs> the most like. Is that the best one? Yeah, the most I want like. I read it in the message. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So 1 Timothy 2 verse 11 to 15 says, Yes. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Okay, Danielle, what are your immediate thoughts as you read this? Okay, so if I go in, if I read this without knowing, without knowing the context of this, my immediate thought is, wow, the Bible is really sexist yeah like, awesome <laughs> yeah that would be my initial thoughts and i think it's a lot of people's initial thoughts for but, sure um yeah i mean there's just so many things that i would find problematic with this like obviously learning quietly with submissiveness um and saying she'll be saved through childbearing i'm like okay what about everyone who's infertile mm -hmm. <laughs> like they will never they will never that be is saved. bizarre or what about the people that just choose not to have kids or never have kids like it won't be yeah. saved yeah I so <laughs> so 100 percent um agree but i think if we look at this passage what's interesting is that even right out of the gate when paul says women should learn quietly and submissively 
even that is such a bold statement because women weren't allowed to learn um, mm. back in those days. So Paul is already being very radical and that he's saying, oh, no, women can. And in fact, he's encouraging them to learn, you know, yeah. um, Jewish zealots mm-hmm. and, and rabbis and all of that at the time. They were all men. Women were not like they didn't have to learn these things. Um, they didn't mm-hmm. have to be proficient in the scriptures and stuff. And here Paul is actually saying, oh no, let them learn. So even they, we already begin to see, okay, he's saying something different. But this specific letter was written to Timothy for the church, for the women in Ephesus. And if we mm-hmm. read Ephesians alongside this, and we look into the context of the time, first of all, women were illiterate. So they Mm -hmm. couldn't read, they couldn't write. So that's problematic if you start teaching, but you've never read the word. You don't know what you're talking about. And then at the time it was, just contextually, the women were being led astray by false teachers at the time. So he's warning them, listen, don't be led astray, which is why he brings Eve up. And so we understand that it's not that women can't teach it's the fact that they're allowed to learn but Mm. there are some issues now because this is the the beginning of the church era Um, women are only finding their footing now and it seems like a bit like why is Paul saying that like Adam wasn't like deceived it was Eve that was deceived like hello Mm. what the heck he ate from the apple too Um, but Because he's addressing women here, I think he targets and he speaks about Eve messing up. But if you read Mm. Romans, there's a passage where Adam represents all of human nature and he basically slams Adam. I think it's chapter five. And he doesn't mention Eve there at all. And this is Paul, the same writer. And so he's not saying that Eve Mm -hmm. is to blame and Adam isn't because in another letter, he like puts all the blame on Adam. Um, But... Verse 14 says that this is what people say, but this whole idea of okay, being saved by childbearing, again, what does that mean? That's weird. Yeah. But yeah. if you look at the context speaking about Adam and then, but women will be saved through childbearing, um, and you look at the original Greek, when he said women will be saved through childbearing, it's actually referring, referring to Mary. So that's interesting. When Mary gave birth to Jesus, it is through him that we are saved. Mm. So we will be saved Mm. by the fact that the virgin birth has happened. And so we will continue to live in faith, love, holiness and modesty, which is only possible through Jesus. And so Mm. here he's saying um, our sin has now been reversed. So he's speaking about Eve, the one woman who, like, screwed us over. And then he immediately goes to speak about Mary, the woman who God used to bring redemption for for women and then for the entire world. So he's not saying, he's not referring to all women giving birth there. um, Yeah. Which is really cool. And apart from all of that, I think if we look at other passages of scripture, um, Paul often speaks about how we have the gifts and the offices um, and we're all one body. And he says he's, uh, the Lord has given some to be apostles and pastors and teachers and all of these things. None of those passages are gendered. 
So yeah. it's so weird for me. There's this, there is this little passage that speaks about women need to learn quietly and submissively. And yet mm. women were allowed to be apostles and pastors according to all of the other times that he mentions it in Romans and Ephesians in yeah. Corinthians. And mm. so if that's not gendered, if it was really such a big deal, then why would he only mention it here like that? Mm. So yeah. I think when you begin to look at that and understand these women still need to learn, uh, they weren't ready. Um, and yeah, the childbirth thing is very confusing until you understand that he's talking about Mary so yeah, I don't yeah. I don't think that this passage is saying that like women today who are now literate who um understand biblical things the way that the women at the time didn't. I don't think he would mm. say the same today personally. Yeah. I saw um there's a website, what's it called? Uh like wait, let me find the website name. The Christians for Biblical Equality International, whatever. But they have a bunch of articles about this kind of stuff and trying to get to the origins of like what what words were actually used in the original translations mm -hmm. and everything like that. So if you guys are interested, I mean, some people might <laughs> see this as a biased source, but it's uh, food for thought. Yeah. And um, like one of the things that they say is that more than anything, if you look at the original use of the words, not going to say them all because they're in Greek, <laughs> but... Oh, is yeah, it all Greek to I you? <laughs> it is, it's all Greek to me. <laughs> what can I say? Um, like the main message of this verse is that women are not supposed to be domineering over men. If you look at the words that are used, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about the, is it the Artemis cult that was big at the time that a lot of women were a part of, mm -hmm. which also... Um, which was like unbiblical and a lot of women like were reacting with this idea that like women are superior to men yeah. um, sort of thing. And now it's the OG men are when trash. You exactly. <laughs> yes. So um, yeah, they like these people are saying that Paul was not saying that women can't teach over men or women must sit and listen to men. It's like literally saying, Hey, don't dominate conversations and like, you don't know everything, so listen. And one of the things they say with the childbearing, was, which is also a different, well, childbearing, which is a different perspective, is they say that, um, like, the Artemis cult, because they were, like, she's like a fertility goddess. So mm, yes. that cult was saying that the woman, like, must, like, Artemis will empower them through childbirth sort of thing. And Paul's saying, no, God will save, well, God will help you during childbirth. Like, you, you'll be helped through Christ. So that's a yeah. different um, understanding as well. But yeah, I'd actually never heard, well, I can't remember. I've never heard, I'd never heard the Mary viewpoint before. I, th I think but that makes a lot of sense to it me. It does. Yeah. Because it, it seems very random that all of a sudden he would start talking about childbirth right after Eve. Yeah, very um, random. But yeah. So I think most commentaries that you read nowadays will admit that that's what he's saying. Even those who, mm. who, I agree with the idea of Mary being silent. Um, yeah. I mean, with women being silent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Ooh. Very interesting. Very. Okay. Then the next passage, um, and Danielle, this is directed right at you because this is on the horizon for you. 
Um, so will you please Ooh. read Ephesians 5, verse 21 to 33? It's a lot of verses, but they're not, it's not too long. Cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so from 21. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, so like 21 actually starts like in the middle of a sentence. Yes. So I'll just read the full sentence, which yes, that's you're perfect. It's a flippin' long sentence. <laughs> Goodness gracious, this man needs to learn to use full stops. Um, you can just say submit instead of submitting if yeah. you want to start there. Because in other I translations, do they do separate it because it's easier to read. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should sub- Ooh. so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his mother, his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay. Daniel, as a fiancé, what are your thoughts? I'm so scared. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) My thoughts are that I am too annoying to be submissive. (laughs) 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 unfortunately. so if we dig into this um i don't think this passage is actually as difficult um to kind of understand because mm. i think at first glance and this is what most complementarians will tell you is um wives their job is to submit and husband's job, the husband's job is to love. Um, and that's, that's it. But the reason why I wanted you to read verse 21 is because it says they submit to one another. And that is right mm. before he starts speaking about marriage. And there were no headings in, yeah, in the original in letters. letters. Yeah, you'll see that modern Bibles today will stop after verse 21 and then have a new mm-hmm. heading that's that's directed towards wives and husbands. That wasn't the case. Yeah. So we've decided, okay, we're going to split it there. But if you read it without a heading between, it says submit to one another and then immediately wives submit to your husbands. So there is that dual. You should both be submitting to one another. Um mm out of reverence for Christ and the punctuation in the English also differs a lot from the Greek but I think what this comes down to is and I I 
first heard this on Sheila's podcast and then went to do some reading on it. That's the Bare Marriage podcast. So I don't know if you yeah. also heard Great this. podcast. Fantastic podcast. Yeah. I forget which episodes I've listened to. Yeah, there's so <laughs> many. Um, so many. So when it speaks about head, like the hu- the husband is the head of the home, the head of the wife, that word head mm-hmm. we often see as like in charge, right? Like domineering yes, head. Yeah. Um, and if you look at the Greek, um, there were two words that were very often used as head and what it referred to was your actual head. Um, but then there were differentiations in that the one word was used to say the head of an army. It was like a general, if you will. Um, so mm-hmm. there was that mm-hmm. head. I should have written down the, the words, the Greek words, but I, I didn't. I'm silly. Yeah. Then it's okay. the second word that is sometimes used for head actually means source. So the source of a river the river is the source of the ocean or, you know, so this can sometimes mean Mm -hmm. the source of something. So when it says that Christ is the head of the church, he is the source from which the whole church is formed. You know, Mm. Christ came and then the church was built. And so I think that this is what Paul is saying here, because if head means source, we know that Eve came from Adam. Adam was the source Mm. of Eve because God created Eve from Adam's rib and so I think what he's saying here is recognize the fact that the husband is the source from which the wife has come Um, and I think it's important to remember that your husband isn't Jesus so yeah. Uh, what's damaging is that this idea of submitting to your husband, it becomes submit to your husband and no longer to Christ. That's kind of how it's mm. played out in the church um, and has been abused in the church, I believe. Um, whereas I think if yeah. both people submitted to Christ and both loved Jesus, I imagine it would be a good marriage. Um, yeah. And I've often heard... and Well, that is the... yeah. Sorry, carry on. No, I've often heard a lot of like women saying, I understand completely where they're coming from. Um, and listen, I have lots of people that are complementarian and I respect and love them very much. Um, yeah, me too. But yeah, I've heard a woman say like, I'd rather submit because the idea of loving like the husband's job is so much more difficult because he has to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And that's like <laughs> so much bigger of a job. Um but I think as a wife, our responsibility also is to love, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the idea of head um, is what makes us think domineering leader. And I actually think as a complementarian, you can take the role of being the head of the home or the head of the marriage and do it well and lead well, if you will. Mm. Um, but what's interesting to me is... If you look at from creation up until this point in history, this was a time where, as you said, this is again the the church in Ephesus, women were wanting to gain power over men, right? Mm, Yeah. Um, And men at the time were just generally seen as quite harsh and hard, which is why Jesus Mm. is such a like, Here's this man who loves and cries and, you know, 
And I almost think yeah. was Paul emphasizing their weaknesses. So at the time, women were not submitting. And so he was pointing out, women, you need to submit. And then he was saying to the husbands, you need to love, because those were the areas in which they were struggling. Mm. And I, uh, yeah, I often wonder, yeah. was he trying to just emphasize the things that they are struggling with? And often, I mean, I kind of, we see this even today, like men are just, and this is not a, a biological thing, I think it's a psychological thing given what people have been taught, is like men are just emotionally unavailable compared to women, for example. Um, and so you would emphasize often today for the majority, not majority, I don't know the stats, to a, in a relationship say like, guys, you need to open up, like, you know, your woman needs to mm. be a firm kind of thing. Yeah. And we would say that um, if we're addressing two people and we're wanting to work on a relationship, you'll point out their weaknesses and pull it out. Mm. And so I think that Paul was saying, women are struggling to submit at the time. You need to get that right. Husbands were struggling to love at the time. You need to get that right. But I think in order for a marriage to be healthy, there needs to be mutual submission and mutual love. And mutual respect. 100%. Friggin' yeah. love and respect. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, at the same time, I think... So I have a friend who... Oh, they're, they're wonderful. They're, they're married. Um, and they hold a, an egalitarian view with regards to church roles, but a complementarian view with regards to marriage roles, which I thought was mm -hmm. interesting. interesting. Um, and she's yeah. a very like strong, independent, incredibly intelligent woman, you know, um, and she's not yeah. a pushover in the slightest, like in her personality. Mm. Um, yeah. And what she said to me is, I don't know where I stand, but like if I had to submit to my husband... I've picked a guy who so much loves Jesus and so much loves me that I know that he would be seeking my best. And I thought that was a nice way. Like if yeah. you're struggling with this passage and you really do believe that wives need to submit and it's something that stresses you out, choose someone mm. who if you had to submit to them, you wouldn't mind because you know that they love you and they've got your best interest at heart. However, ugh, I honestly think like if you both love Jesus then that's kind of key and that's eventually what Paul yeah. goes into this idea of us um mm. and yeah our relationship with with the church or Christ's relationship yeah. with the church yeah I would like to look into more because I mean I mean I didn't I I didn't really do much research for this episode because I was Busy, busy, busy with reading about oceans and stuff. Hey, oh, I'm a woman <laughs> in ministry, so these are things I just have to have at the back of you my head. You have to know, one hundred percent. But I would, I would like to know more about the actual, like, the word that Paul would have used as submission. Yes, because um, submit like also what has a bad that rap. word would have meant. Exactly, yeah. and like what that word actually meant in the context of this piece, and like for example, like if we're seeing. Um, if we understand submission as like serving, I mean, we know that both sure. husbands and wives are called to serve each other, you know, sure. and if like, and like Jesus also served people. For sure. So yeah, that's, that's something to think about. No, that's so And to good. be honest, like, 
Oh, thank you. I'm so wise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I think one thing that I see in a lot of marriages, particularly people like who are older and who do adopt the whole like, or, like I'm a wife, so I'm going to submit to my husband. He'll make the big decisions. I rarely see that happen in practice. Like there's this yeah. idea that, for example, like men are going to, they're going to make all the big financial decisions where he goes for work. That's where we go. And the wife must just submit. And there's no, like, there's no deliberation. There's no conversation. That's what it is. Or for example, people believe that if a husband and a wife have an argument, or they disagree about something, then the man has the final word. I'm going to be honest, in a bunch of marriages, I don't see that happen in practice no. because I think people are gr like people are grown up and they understand that for a happy marriage, and this is like research backed as well, mm -hmm. both people like need to feel heard. They both need to feel respected. For sure. Because there's this idea also from this passage that like women want to be loved more than respected and that men want to be respected more than loved, which is not <laughs> necessarily true. I also think you can't um, really have love without respect exactly like it's they're not opposites to each not other at all um and to, like if i were in a relationship where my husband was not respecting me i would be extremely unhappy because i'm a person like i all human beings deserve respect as a person yeah. as a friend as a wife as whatever yeah so yeah and not to yeah, go that's like i think also one of the harmful messages for sure yeah carry and on. not to go on a long tangent um but i think the problem is like if a man is saying like listen i am the head of this home and we can't disagree and so i'm making the final decision um mm. then i i mean a woman can submit and that's fine but if this continues to happen, it's like, does she have any say at all, ever? Mm. Um, like, what is the point in disagreeing then? Yeah. What is the point of having an opinion? Yeah. Um, and I definitely don't think God w created us without opinion. And a lot of people say, well, listen, mm. the passage says, it doesn't say wives well, submit only if your husband is a good guy, which is why a lot of people end mm. up in spiritually abusive relationships because people use these passages yeah. and say you must submit. But then if you look at that relationship, marriage is supposed to be a picture of the church and mm. how Christ mm. loved the church and Christ's relationship yeah. to the church. And so if your marriage isn't looking mm. like that because of this warped idea of submission, then that's an issue. So Absolutely. ask yourself before you, I mean, you can 100%, if you want to be complementarian, if you want to completely see this idea of um, the woman submits, um, that's fine. But just keep on asking yourself, does your marriage look like the relationship Christ has with the mm. church? Yeah. Yeah. I also think another like issue with the verse is that it just says like, oh, like just submit sort of thing. Mm -hmm. but it's not exactly saying like what is what does that submission look like yeah. it's not saying like you must always do this and you must always do that to the wives it's not saying that and I think we as people who live in this world like with a different understanding of this language yeah we've taken what our idea of submission is we, we put in put it into this verse and we've made this like this is what it means to be married and this is how people must act in a marriage but I'm like how do we how do we know yeah. that's what it really meant? Yeah. How do we what know did that? it look like we in don't. practice? We don't. Yeah. 
Anyway, okay. <laughs> we should probably go to the yes. next one. Yes, okay. So, um, Romans 16. Danielle, I'm not going to make you read the whole chapter. But <laughs> thank you. I think what I wanted to point out there is Paul is basically ending his letter off and he thanks a bunch of people, right? Um, and mm-hmm. notice that there are women in this passage. When he speaks mm-hmm. about those who have ministered alongside him, he mentions Phoebe, mm. he mentions Prisca or Priscilla, depending on the Priscilla. what you're reading. Yeah. Um, he mentions Mary, he mentions Junior. These were people that were alongside him, sharing the gospel and working and arguably in ministry. And what's crazy is that this letter delivered to the Romans from Paul was delivered by Phoebe, who is a deacon. Deacon just means servant of God, diakonos. Mm. Phoebe mm-hmm. was a deacon and she was sent she was sent to take this letter to the Romans. And at the time a letter deliverer wasn't just a messenger. It was a person who would go, deliver the letter, and then this person would be the one to read the letter out to the congregation or to the group of people. Mm-hmm. And then if they had questions, because this person had been with the original author, would be able to answer those questions. And so Romans is arguably the most theologically rich and dense book in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And Paul... It's one of my favorite books. It, it is incredible. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And Paul sent this letter to Rome in the hands of a woman and she would have been the one to read it out and she would have been the one to explain the things that people didn't understand. She would be the one that would answer the questions. Isn't that a little bit like teaching? That doesn't seem like being silent in the church. Oh, yeah, that's very true. This actually, okay, this is something I think about a lot because... With the structure of churches that we have nowadays, obviously you have elders and yes. a lot of the more conservative churches will say that like women can't be elders, mm-hmm. only men can be elders. Um, and that's based on something that Paul says somewhere. Um, don't come at me, I can't remember. <laughs> and um, then again, a lot of churches will agree that women can be deacons, for example, which is like ahead of a... Uh, well, if I'm just... Actually, I don't even know what the definition of a deacon no, is. Do you know what yes. the definition so is? It's like the head of a ministry almost? Yes, the, literally the direct translation of deacon is servant. The word minister mm. is used like... What is the word? I can't, I can't remember. Interchangeably with deacon. Mm-hmm. So a minister oh, and a deacon. Yes, a ministry the is the same Greek word. Um, Paul uses so a deacon is someone who serves in ministry and the roles of deacon and elder don't actually look as different as people think Um, but elders are the ones who are given authority to make decisions Um, Mm -mm. but their roles are very very similar in the early church and people that just looks different compared to what church you go to these days people have different definitions yeah yeah so yeah if I'm just thinking about the churches that I've been to growing up and like that sort of system, like it is very like, you know, the elders are the, like the very spiritual men and it's something like they have to be married and they're like very holy and they pray and everything and they make the decisions. I'm not trying to be snarky by the way. Like, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
that's just what the impression that I get. Mm-hmm. Whereas deacons can, like deacons can be women, at least in like the churches that I've been to. Yeah. But there are people who disagree with that as well. Yes. But then a lot of churches with that setup will agree that women can't ever be like proper pastors. They can't um, speak over men. But they can, of course, um, be in children's ministry. <laughs> yes, I was told <laughs> That's, that um, directly from the yeah. the head of the Baptist Union. Yes, so come fun. at me, Puff. And he said to me, sorry, <laughs> you can only teach um, younger children and then women. Yeah. And like, this is some of, that is one of the most, like, not, not hypocritical, it's, what is the word I'm thinking of? It's just, there's so many inconsistencies because a like, how is it possible? Okay, if we're saying that, like, a woman is too spiritually weak, because that is often the impression that, yes. like, women can't... Women were deceived first. They're spiritually weak yes. in comparison to men, so they can't speak over men. Which is... That's the idea. I'm not saying that's what the Bible says. Yes. But this is the inconsistency. So why, then, can a woman teach a growing boy? He's yeah. being indoctrinated by a woman yes. his whole life. Like, that doesn't make sense. No, but then when he turns 18 um, to be honest, and he's a man, then... His whole brain yeah. shifts. <laughs> oh, that's, sorry, yeah, that's true, I forgot. Yeah. And also another thing that I find really problematic is people don't have a problem with women missionaries. Yeah. Like, I've never seen a problem no. with a and female missionary. They're doing and they the are preaching to men. They're preaching same. to everyone. Yes. 100%. Yeah. And all of a sudden, as soon as a woman is behind a pulpit, yes. as soon as she's on a stage in a church... Which, well, where was that in the, then that's in the in ad? Where was the <laughs> pulpit and the stage? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like it's such an inconsistency and people will say it's different, but it's not. What is a pastor if not a missionary to his church, to her church? Yeah. Even you know? that definition like, of pastor is is looks different from church to church, you know. So like yeah, exactly um, like at Sean's old church, he interned for a year and he was a youth pastor along with other pastors because he was shepherding the okay. flock. But like at a lot of churches, oh, you're not okay. a pastor until you have like a certain number of qualifications or you're employed full time. Yeah. So it looks different. Yeah. And that's uh, that's the struggle with this conversation is we don't even have clear definitions for these things. We can't agree. Mm. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I completely get you. Yeah. And we also have to remember that the churches then that Paul was writing to, they look extremely different to the churches so we have different. now. Like, so different. It's it's not even the same. And, like, I do sometimes have this yearning for, like, Our you know, like the church. small be home fed. church. I really do. I want to be part of Ew, Janie's home church gosh. and she can make vegetarian <laughs> lasagna soup for me. Yes. And we can pray Have together. you seen lasagna soup as a thing now? No. Sorry, it's so... Yes, it's, I've seen it all over, like, TikTok and Instagram reels. People make lasagna soup. Okay. Oh, we should have should have trademarked that. <laughs> That's another story. Shout out to Janie Murray. Yeah, another story. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I get you completely. Mm. Okay. So, before we carry on, we just have two more passages of scripture. Um, but before we carry on, there's something important that I need to tell you guys. And that is that we are on Instagram. Add in other mm-hmm. words, underscore podcast. And if you're listening to this and not following us, how dare you? You should pause how and go and follow us. You? Also, feel free to yeah. like tag us in things, share our episodes on your stories and stuff. We'll interact with you. We yeah. love that. We answer all of our DMs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it'd be cool yeah. to. We have nothing better to do. Nope. <laughs> We're so bored. <laughs> I mean, you can even yeah. 
I mean, if you want to run our Instagram for us, though, because we're not always good at that, you can. Um, <laughs> no. But start with following, following us. Thank you. End of yes. commercial break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the next passage is 1 Corinthians 11, verse 2 to 16. Mm-hmm. I'm getting it. You go, go. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 2 to 16. Yes. yes? Okay. Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions, even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies, prophesies, <laughs> there we are, with his head covered. <laughs> okay, wait, let me read that again. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is dis disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head, because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. Judge for yourselves, is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory, for her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. Ooh, guys, ladies, if you have short hair, you're done for. Jail. Yes. Yeah, you're done. And all men, you better be bald. Um, and you better mm. cut your hair all the time. Social. Okay, mm -hmm. so this is the most contextual passage. Okay, and first I want to yeah. address this idea of, it says that the head of the wife is her husband and the head of Christ mm -hmm. is God. Okay, so now it's saying that as a woman, as a husband is the head of his woman, so God is the head of Christ. Okay, but now if we look at the Trinity, God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Do mm -hmm. you think that one is more important than the other? I don't think so. No. And I definitely think not. it says that it's not in the Bible as well. No, hey? and this is like if I had to say that, and I would, if I had to ever assert that there was hierarchy in the Trinity, people would come for me. Um, mm -hmm. But when, As they should. <laughs> when we look at this idea of, of headship here, again, it's that same word, the source. Um, it can mean source. But mm -hmm. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit are all equal, okay? But they mm -hmm. embody things differently. They can do the same things, okay? Jesus could raise someone from the dead the same way that God raised the son from the dead. Um, mm -hmm. But it's just embodied differently. So in the same way yeah. that like I'm a youth pastor as a female 
And then the person that comes after me as a male, if he's a youth pastor, we are going to do those jobs differently. But we can mm-hmm. both still do the job. Um, yeah. And I think, again, with this idea of um, going back to creation, it's interesting that he ends off saying women was created for man because Adam was lonely and f- all by himself. But then man is now born of woman. And so it's kind of like he's equaled the playing field. And it's interesting that he ends the passage yeah. with that. So that's take that out of mm. it now. So I've dealt with that. But let's talk about this head situation um, and the hair. Yes. Um, the yeah. context, if we look at that time, if women were uncovered, um, it was a symbol of the fact that they were their morals were quite loose. They were an unruly woman and again this is specifically mm-hmm. to the church in Corinth and that was where all the church of uh, the temple prostitution was happening that was a society where there was all sort of incest and it was a very sexual culture um and mm. so it's the same with like you see in religions nowadays like muslim women often still cover themselves um so mm-hmm. as to um, avail themselves and not be seen as like loose in a sense, if I can use that term. Um, And that is the exact same thing that Paul is addressing here. Is it saying, especially as a wife, in other words, you are taken, you are not to appear to culture as if you are available, as if you are, you know, come get me sort of thing. Um, And then (laughs) in the same vein, For the men, it was the opposite way around. Okay. I think what this passage kind of tells us for today's day is that we can do the same things and it can be embodied differently. And mm-hmm. I think the issue that I have with this topic is that difference doesn't have to mean prohibition. That's what I yeah. don't understand. It's like, why does the fact that men and women are different mean that women are prohibited from a bunch of things. Why are men not prohibited from anything? Oh, dang. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah. So I think that our issue is we're so busy saying women don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this Mm. because you're different to men. But then why, if men are different, are there not a long list of things that they are not allowed to do? Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, that's a good question. Yeah, and so I think that I'm about to answer that because I think it all comes down to creation. People have, who've argued with me so often argue about it's the creation order. Men are more important. Men mm. are rulers. Men are natural leaders. Except, yeah. hello, look at the world and how men have ruled the world literally, literally throughout history. Um, yeah. Because Adam was created first but I actually want to look at that next. But do you have any other comments or questions about? Yeah, I think um, the way I've always understood this passage is literally just explaining to Christians how to distinguish themselves from Mm non-Christians. And we have those same, uh, not rules, but guidelines today, like Mm -hmm. how to be set apart, how to look different, how people know that you're a Christian. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what, Paul was saying here um I think what's tough and maybe like I have some 
uh, I don't want to call it devil's advocate because I don't want to advocate for the devil. Yes. But that's in the modern day sense. I don't know of devil's advocate, yes. not the actual devil. <laughs> yes. So I think what's tough, and I think people might be wondering this: what is the point of having Paul's letters in the Bible? When so much of it, you have to understand from a contextual perspective. And the Bible doesn't always provide that perspective or that yeah, context. Yeah, so you have to research. So, like, so why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the point of having it in the Bible even? Like, when Paul wrote it's often to a specific person or a specific church for a specific reason. Like, why do we all need to read it? What do you think? So, what I've always said... Um, or understood it to be, and this is what I learned in hermeneutics, and this was drilled into my head, is that the Bible wasn't written mm-hmm. to us, but it was written for us. Yeah. And so that letter was never written to us. But yeah, our job is to say, okay, Holy Spirit, by your power, um, bring revelation here and show me what I can learn. And I think exactly in that passage, what we can learn is that we need to be set apart that we are different, mm-hmm. um, but we can fulfill certain things and it might just be embodied differently. Um, and so yeah. I think it can be frustrating, but I think that that's why it's so important that we're aligned on the Holy Spirit when we're reading the scriptures. Um, and I don't even necessarily think people aren't always going to go and do the research, um, but I always think that's yeah. why it comes down to the fruit. Jesus says you will know them by mm-hmm. their fruit like specifically false teachers. And so if there are doctrines that are taken at face value and are causing very obvious damage, then something's not right. Um, Mm. And so, yeah, I think it's important to remember that this wasn't written to you, Um, you know. So when it's written to a specific church, it wasn't written to you. It was written to the church, like Corinthians. There was issues with Chloe, and I don't even know who people were arguing with. Um, (laughs) Uh, but yeah so it wasn't written to us but okay we look at a situation and we say okay how can we learn from this it's the same when we read like Mm. most people who study in like a BA kind of degree you'll often be presented with case studies and you're asked okay what can we learn from this what can I interpret how can I see patterns throughout history for example yeah um I didn't do a BA Mm. degree though so but my degree was far well, more similar. on the BA route <laughs> than the yeah. everything else and numbers and lame yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Boring. So, yeah, yeah, that's kind of the best answer I have for that. Yeah. No, I I do agree with you. I think the the problem is, is people who... People who... Okay. I don't know how to say this without, like, sounding mean. <laughs> but I think... A lot of people think that they are praying and they are being guided by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's people like, for example, pastors and like they claim to um, like have a lot of knowledge, like they hear from the Holy Spirit a lot. Mm-hmm. But you don't know if someone's telling the truth about that. And like the Holy, like according to them, the Holy Spirit has revealed this to them about women that, oh, in this church, yeah. all the women's heads must be covered. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you know that? How do you know that was the Holy Spirit telling you that? And not literally like, yeah, you just decided that for yourself. And like, yeah, what you're saying is looking at the fruits, but yeah. 
yeah, a lot of people don't. Do I that. get you, and this is how <laughs> this I feel about difficult. all difficult biblical passages. And I think what gives me comfort yeah. is that Jesus said the most important commandments are to love the Lord your God and to love others. Mm. And in one Corinthians mm-hmm. thirteen, he gives a beautiful description of what love looks like. And mm. so, ask yourself: yeah, I'm doing passage. everything. I'm reading everything. Is this patient, kind, good, all the definitions of love, because that is ultimately what it comes down to. And I think it's important we view everything through that lens. And so if something feels off Mm. to us, if the Holy Spirit is saying, no, you need to silence women, ask yourself, okay, does this genuinely produce love? Is this really? exactly? Yeah. But again, I think that egalitarians and complementarians are the same, um, can believe what they believe, but practice it in such a way where love is still foundational. Yeah, for sure. I'm not. Yeah, we're not saying that if you, like, let's say, have a more literal translation or like a more literal interpretation of these things that you aren't loving. No. Um, like, we're not saying that at all. Nope. So, please don't take it that way. <laughs> Alrighty. Okay. So this is the final scripture. And this is the coolest to me. Okay. So, Danielle, will you read Genesis 3, verse 16? Going right back to the beginning. Genesis 3, verse 16. So this is after... Just the one verse. Yeah, so this is after the fall. Adam and Eve have committed these horrible sins, and now God has cursed them. Or sin, Mm. as a result of their sin, these are the things that... um, are the consequences of that. Off you go. Yeah. Okay. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Okay. So the husband will rule over the woman. How Mm. interesting is it that that comes after the fall? Exactly. That Very idea interesting. of men ruling women never ever appears before when creation was the way mm. God intended it. So God created Adam. Adam needed a helper. He created Eve. They probably mm-hmm. did complement each other, but God never said, Adam, you're in charge. It was only after the fall that it was established that there would be this need for power and that men would dominate women or that men would rule over women. And so I genuinely believe that misogyny, because that's like what a lot of the issues that this produces comes down to, I believe that that is directly a curse because of the fall. Yeah. Mm. And so... Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And there's, well, why I say like it's true, like yes, we have, we have the, the truth, <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's not, <laughs> not what I was trying to say. I think there's this idea, so I think people say that women were created to be man's help meet, yes. and meet. they use help meet as a way of <laughs> like, it's not like meet, um, it's so funny to me. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it's a, it's a word. It is a word. So they use help meet in the same way as like. They're just sort of there, like, helping the husband out, but, like, mm-hmm. they're not on equal mm-hmm. roles with the husband. And there's even a book 
called like ugh, what's it called? Something about being his help help me. Oh gosh. Which I think Sheila has um Rip spoken apart. about before. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But the the thing is, like, from what I've heard, now I'm no theologian by the way, but I've heard that that same word in whatever language it, it was written is basically the same word that was used to describe the Holy Spirit. Yes. And we don't see the Holy Spirit as lesser no. um, than anything. Like, it's like yes, the Holy Spirit is here to help us, but, like, the Holy Spirit is also God. I'm not yes. saying women are God, gosh. No. Um, but Jesus said, I will send <laughs> But I'm just saying, helper. like, we need to think about when it. When he speaks about the Holy Spirit, exactly. he's sending you a helper. And that is exactly the same mm. word that God used um, in the beginning when he said i will create for adam a helper and so the holy spirit is mm. still god he simply embodies it differently um yeah but yeah it's still equal and so that's 100 percent yeah true. um yeah yeah and there weren't mandates apart from both of them would rule over the earth and both men and women mm. were given that gift to steward um and then they messed mm. up and then it was like okay woman now, this yeah. will be your punishment. Okay, so that's all good and well, but what did yeah. Christ come to do? He he came so that it wouldn't be like that anymore. Yes, he came to undo the curse, <laughs> right? Exactly. So if yeah. Christ has come to undo the curse, i.e. men ruling over women, then why is it that in the church men rule over women? If Christ mm. came to undo that. Yeah. Those are the questions. Those are the, questions. Those are the big questions we need to discuss. Yes. So and I think ultimately, like, because one of the things that I was thinking about is, like, when we have all this information out there about why these things were written and the context in which they were written, why do people still interpret it as, like, men having authority over women mm -hmm. and women having to submit in, like, a, in, like, a very servant serve our way to men mm -hmm. um like why do people still interpret it like that and i think the answer is is because we associate patriarchy and the patriarchal values as being biblical yeah. but they aren't necessarily yeah. um, that didn't exist before the fall and yeah and we aren't um what was a train of thoughts went out the window but i did have something to say oh yeah i think a lot of people still want to hold up these very patriarchal values and when you look at a lot of church leadership it's still men men still want to have that power and they like a lot i think a lot of them want to feel that like specialness like yes we are closer to god than women are mm. or even like yes women and men can still have relationships with god but ultimately women have to listen to me and i think um yeah like the very patriarchal like very conservative churches even not so conservative even like more like moderate churches like there's still this these values being held up mm -hmm. because they're just fitting in with the the status quo, yeah. you know. Um, anyway, that's like like obviously like a very like a more progressive sort of feminist outlook. But I really do believe that it's a bit scary to think of having it any other way for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think it's shell shock. In fact, most people have never even thought about it. It's like this is what I've always known, and so it can't be wrong. Yeah. Um, mm. and I think we do well to question our, ourselves, um, figure out why we yeah. believe what we believe. Um, Always. Yeah. but I kind of just wanted to chat a little bit very quickly about my time at DBC. 
um, Dimbrough mm. Baptist Church, our both of our home churches. Um, mm-hmm. And so I love DBC. I was very happy there. Um, I was on yeah, staff for two too. years. And they had the rule of um, females can't be elders. Okay. Um, yeah. And essentially then women couldn't exercise the authority in the church. In other words, they were a group of elders and they made the final decision um, and they couldn't hold, um, women can't hold that kind of authority over the church. And this is mainly going back to that Timothy passage where it says, I do not permit a woman to rule over a man. Um, And so... I think a question can be posed, okay, Zara, why did you stay in the church then? Are they not fundamentally disagreeing with you? And perhaps I disagree with that. Um, perhaps I don't. Who knows where I am? I'm on a journey, y'all. But On a journey. But I trusted the leadership of that church. I knew those men all individually Um, and they had the church's best interest at heart. And for me, that trumped it. I could be in a church under men who understood the value of women. Um, And so Mm -hmm. I'm not walking into every church criticizing and saying, okay, show me what what the case is, because I don't think I'll ever walk into a church and agree with absolutely everything that's in their constitution or that they practice or that they believe. Yeah, Um, yeah. But I trusted the leadership, and so that is why I was in a church like that. The leaders there are incredible. Mm. Um, so it's mm-hmm. important you don't just take the stance of like, oh, okay, now I need to just judge every church according to this metric. Um, I judged the fruit of DBC, and I saw that the fruit was good. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of why I stuck around there. But uh, there are other yeah. passages, like, for example – People say that elders have to be men because the the passage in Titus, I think, speaks about how um, elders are to be um, men. Uh, wait, it says um, have one wife. Yeah. But then what about unmarried people, like men? When yeah. They are married. Does that mean they can't be elders? People wouldn't argue that. Mm-hmm. So why is it? Why is that the case? Then surely that is contradictory. Or so yeah, I I have. I take issue yeah. with, with that idea because I don't know how solid the scripture is um, on mm. that. So, yeah, but I think it comes down to the leadership of the church and how they exercise these things. And that's why I wanted to end because I don't want people to think that I'm attacking complementarian views Yeah, because I've seen yeah. it play out. I, I look up to people who follow this view um, because mm. they exercise it in a way where – they see the value in women and they love God. Yeah. And they love the church yeah. more than anything. Um, so, mm. yeah, I think I just wanted to add that. Mm. Yeah, I, I I really do agree with you. Like, it's not my metric for analyzing how good a church is whatsoever. Um, I think, like, for me, it's a red flag. If I went to a church, for example, that didn't allow women to speak, or to your whole positions of authority in certain ministries, um, I would take issue if I knew that the pastors genuinely believe that women were lesser than For men. Sure. Like sure. that's a, that's, a, that's like a big issue to me because I don't believe that, and I don't believe that God says that either. Um, 
Yeah. And another thing that I just wanted to say is I think there's so much hypocrisy in the way that female pastors are treated versus male pastors. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by this is I often see on social media, for example, there'll be a video of a female pastor and she's saying something unbiblical or she's saying something like a bit dodgy, whatever. All the comments are like, this is why God said that women can't be pastors. This is why, Mm -hmm. like all of that. And then I just say, take a look around. So many churches have male pastors who are saying the same things, who have committed horrible acts of violence, crimes, and like spiritual abuse against their congregants. Yeah, it's not a gendered issue. The issue is not, (laughs) it's not a gendered issue, exactly. Like, but then the comments underneath that will be like, oh, for example, let's say something comes up about a big spiritual leader, he's a man, and it it comes out that he has like abused women, for example. Mm Or he's had an affair. The comments are, you see, the devil was attacking him, like testing his faith, and because he, like, because he was such a strong leader, the devil had to attack Mm -hmm. him. I'm like, what? What? (laughs) He he did something bad. Completely. (laughs) You know. Agree. Yeah. So we just we just need to check out the like the attitudes there. Like, is it a gendered issue or is it a person like a a human issue? And I mean, I've faced this. You know, like someone said something really hateful on Facebook, and I don't often comment but mm-hmm. I commented and said listen let's just look at the fundamentals and I put a bunch of scripture references and I thought it was a really like wholesome comment um it was and the response I read it. was, it was okay but you're in ministry and you're not allowed to be so therefore everything you have to say is invalid and it was hard yeah and I it's was so like, unfair dang so, yeah yeah anyways Very shall unfair. we just close I think yeah. this you've already said a lot of it but um yeah like what is the harm of sexism in the church are you asking me yeah (laughs) um well the harm is obviously it creates division it prevents women from possibly being from being called to possible roles in ministry where they could be changing people's lives Mm -hmm. where they could be leading people to christ Mm -hmm. and yeah it just creates a often a false idea of who God is and what Christ came to do. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) I think for me, it's just like it creates boxes that are harmful, you know, Mm. and like people Mm -hmm. look at scripture and say, oh, women, um, it speaks about how women are to teach young women. But you know, it also speaks Mm. about how men are to teach young men. And so does that Mm. mean men can only teach men? No men and vice versa yep so i think the issue is boxes it puts people in a box it says to women oh you have to be the perfect proverbs 31 woman but Mm. if you read proverbs 31 that woman is doing way more than humanly possible but it's saying strive Mm -hmm. to these things look how brilliant she is but i mean does that mean all of those characteristics men shouldn't strive to be because i hope my husband is a proverbs 31 husband well, at least doing his very best. <laughs> yeah, we should call this episode 100%. the Proverbs Thirty One Husband. just I think it's important that we understand that God values women, you know, and mm-hmm. like yo, there's so much we didn't even talk about, like actual women, yeah. like in the Bible, like the first time that Jesus explains this idea of the gospel and eternal life was to the woman at the well. And then she went into mm. her town and shared that message with everyone in her town. 
She mm. was the first evangelist. Exactly. What? Yeah. She explained to the people, oh, we can't worship. We can worship. We don't have to go to the one place to worship anymore. She taught them that. Mm. Um, and then like the yeah. first people to see the empty tomb were women. And they were the ones that reported the resurrection to the disciples. And they were the ones to declare that Christ had risen. And so, mm. yeah, I think what's important for everyone to understand is to stick to your convictions and walk in God's calling. So for mm. me, it's like as yeah. a youth pastor, the reason I'm passionate about this topic is because I feel like God has called me to where he has called me. This was not a personal choice. Yeah. I didn't wake up one day and say, oh, I'd love to do that. It was like, no, I'd love yeah. to do something. It wasn't your dream job. That, <laughs> I mean, would have given me more money. Um, like, yeah. originally, those were my thoughts. Like, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a boss lady. Um, but I felt such a strong call to ministry. And I'm like, that was mm. not of myself. That yeah. was a clear, something mm. very clearly from God. And so for someone to say, oh, no, you weren't called here. I'm like, mm, mm. okay, sure. Like, you don't know. Yeah. Like, they don't know what led you to this decision. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I think ugh, at the end of the day, I don't even know if you have to box yourself and say I'm complementarian or I'm egalitarian. You can just be a Christian mm. and have convictions about things and be yeah. willing to agree to disagree because that's where I'm yeah. at. I very happily yeah. agree to disagree with many people, and I think that we can do that. Yeah. And so, it's okay. the point of this conversation yeah. was. Here are the reasons why I feel comfortable being in ministry. Um, mm. But if you don't believe that, that's also okay. Because there are scriptures that maybe for you, you interpret differently and that's okay. Um, and we won't know until we meet the Lord. And I'm happy to say maybe when I meet yeah. the Lord, he's going to say, Oh, sorry, you were wrong about this, 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 and this. Um very well. So, yeah, don't see this. We're all going to be wrong about a lot of this things. This is true. Um, so, yeah, just be open-minded and mm. follow your convictions and just love. I know that sounds so cliche and dumb, but truly. Mm -hmm. It's the most important. It is. And don't be scared. Don't be afraid to look at why things in the Bible were written. Yeah. I think people have a this idea that the minute you start looking for context that you're denying that the bible is like the word of god or was inspired by god but that's that's not it at all in my opinion mm. like you can truly have an understanding of what god was saying it when you look at so why things were written. like you can actually really enrich your relationship with the lord when you see oh wow yeah this is what you yeah. meant so mm. exactly yeah. And that's with every topic. This is true. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot to say. There's many, a, a lot of research. It's insane. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully you enjoyed this but conversation. It's cool. um, it is a very mm -hmm. long episode, but mm -hmm. that's okay. Because it's our yeah. podcast and we can do what we want. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So. Danielle. Our outro. Yes. Yes. You know what? Sharing is caring. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, share this podcast every with all of your friends and, and women. All of them. Exactly. Yes. Every single person you know, regardless of their gender or 
whatever. Just do it. Just send it to yes. them. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> we care. <laughs> okay, guys. <laughs> Please give us views. Please. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>